Hello there, this is Kelvin Pascal and you're welcome to another episode of the Hinted Neuron Podcast. On today's episode, you hear me talk with Dr. Bruno Signaco. He's an international business consultant, international speaker, and he has been a business coach for over 20 years. He has advised and trained hundreds of companies on international trade activities and international marketing. He's also a principal lecturer in marketing. He has taught marketing management, international marketing, product innovation, and public relations. He also teaches different business models at several universities in the UK, such as Barbeck University, Lancaster University, University of Wales, and University of Central Lancashire. We talked about his book today, The Art of Compassionate Business. I really gained a lot of things from this conversation, and I hope you do too. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review with five stars on Apple Podcasts. Also share my episodes and maybe follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Hinted Neuron. And now, here's my conversation with Dr. Bruno Signaco. I am here with Bruno Signaco. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for the invite. Thank you. So I, I, I guess a good place to start today would, because w- w- when I read your book, the first thing I saw was something that caught my interest very much. It's because it's something I've always thought about, the the nature of games in business. And you talked about this assumption that we always have this zero-sum idea when it comes to business. And, 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 and I love that perspective a lot because... I've thought about it that it does not have to be zero sum. Everybody could, everybody could gain. And for, for those of, for my audience that might not know what zero sum games is, zero sum games are the kind of games where the winner takes all and me winning means you losing. So I want you to give your own perspective on how, how you thought about that and why you think businesses don't have to be zero sum game. Very important question. Thank you very much. Yes, I agree with you. So business do not have to be zero-sum game, but should be win-win for all parties involved. But I call this type of agreement a mutually profitable agreement. This means that there are long-term agreements. When a company do business, they should take care of different stakeholders, individuals and groups with interest in this organization. For example, supposing that the company sell goods to a customer and this company sell high quality goods at a good price to this customer and the customer is satisfied with these goods the customer is winning the company is winning but if the company when producing these goods is polluting the environment the company wins the customer wins but the community is affected in a negative way so this means that there is one of the stakeholders that doesn't win this is not good business. Why? Because I call this non-compassionate business. Why? Because one of the stakeholders is not winning from this transaction. However, some companies tend to focus on what we call the triple bottom line. This means that companies that care for profits, companies that care for people like customers, suppliers, employee, community members, and also companies that care for the planet. This means that they are environmentally friendly, they use renewable sources of energy, they are, they are recycling, they use a green packaging. So these are the type of companies that are the new generation of companies. Companies that have profits, 
but at the same time companies that are human oriented. This means that they care for the different individuals that uh, contribute to these business activities. Because according to my perspe perspective, no company can succeed on its own. No company can thrive by itself. Companies always need suppliers, buyers, employees, community members, business partners. So no company is an island. I mentioned this in the book. And companies in nurturing always a set of relationship with different stakeholders. When companies nurture this relationship with these stakeholders, these stakeholders tend to respond in a positive way. They tend to support the company when needed. Instead, when the company try to take advantage of different stakeholders, for example, try to deceive customers or try to, for example, pay very little to employees, a very low salary, this company will receive in response a negative a negative response from this stakeholder. For example, the employee might work by the book or might look for other job opportunities and customer might look for competitors' products. Why? Because they don't want to feel that they are being deceived. I agree that the only possible solution is where all parties win. All parties obtain a gain from this transaction. Yeah, I, I think I, I very much agree with that. You, you brought up um, the title of your book. For those of you that might be listening, we are talking about your book, The Out of Compassionate Business. And I, and I think you, you mean the out of compassionate business is the type of business where all stakeholders in that business wins, both the customers, the the all parties that are involved in that business. So. I, I want you to give a small picture now because because you, you talked about something that really sparked my sparked the thinking inside me. If for there are some companies that are not compassionate at all, but they still do so well for some time. So do do you do you see because I, I now thought about it, do you feel like it's only compassionate businesses that go well long term? That maybe some kind of businesses could thrive even though they are not compassionate, but they don't do well in the very long term. What, what do you I, think I, about that? I, I agree. Very good point. Because, yes, compassionate business also is focused on a long-term orientation. Yes, you can see some companies that temporarily succeed or prosper without being compassionate. But also you see that, well, for example, when a company deceives customers, let's talk about this example. The company might get away with one transaction. They deceive customers, they sold a product that was very low quality, and highly priced, and this customer felt dissatisfied. This customer will not come back to this company. And not only this, this customer might be resentful and might be obviously very negative regarding this company and might even give negative recommendation about this company to friends, colleagues, family, relatives. And so this company won't only lose this customer, will lose potential customer. The company will never know that they have been losing, losing other potential customers. Why? Because obviously the company focuses only on a short-term transaction, trying to get all the gains at the expense of customer. The same happens with the community. Supposing that the company is polluting the environment and affecting negatively a community. Well, obviously, in some cases, the, the community might not complain, but in other cases, the, the community might boycott the company products and services, creating a negative images, image regarding this company. So this means that in the short term, the company might gain the temporary gains, uh, but 
in the long term, in practice, this company might be affected negatively because customers might look for other companies. Uh, the company image will be affected negatively. Will, will, this is important because when the company image is negative, customer might be withdrawing from this company. Employees might not like to work for this company. The media will reflect any news regarding this company in a negative way. So you're right. We might not see immediately the effects of being non-compassionate, but in the long term, this company will be affected negatively. And we see a new generation of customers, for example, the millennials and generation said that these customers prefer companies that are conscious, that they develop conscious projects regarding business activities. And they obviously, they have the option to choose a company that is conscious and responsible and socially oriented. And a company that is not socially oriented, is not human oriented, well, they will choose the first company, the, the, the company that is compassionate when they offer the similar product or uh, similar services. You're right, you're right. In the short term, the company might get away temporarily, but in the long term, medium term and long term, the company won't be surviving so much. Why? Because there will be other companies that are consciously oriented, they're human oriented. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I think that's where the aspect of loving business comes because you talked about, you talked a lot about that in the book too, about love in business. What, what, what do you think about, you know, for, for, because if we st- take a step back now and, and talk about for like maybe entrepreneurs and people who are setting up business, you know, as, as a society, do you feel like, we should like, do you feel the love has to start from what you do and putting so much of that effort in yourself and the business first or yes. putting it to, or, or putting it more in yourself than to people? How, how would you see that? Because okay, if you okay. love yourself first, you might be able to develop yourself in a way that affect other people positively. I, I don't know what you. Okay, good, good point, good point. So what I will say that in the book, I use the word love, and I want to uh, clarify this point. Love, as it's used in the book, is not love in a sentimental way, love that you feel for your family, your friend, or your partner. It's a much wider connotation of love, which includes compassion, empathy, support, care, generosity, gratitude, and this can apply to business relationship and non-business one. My, my, um, my idea of love is that you cannot thrive in business without the human being. So the building block of any business activity is the human being. So you cannot thrive without people. So any business needs people to thrive. So how you can get people on board to contribute to your business project? By satisfying their needs. So any relationship can only thrive when you satisfy the needs of each party. Supposing that you are a company and you're selling to customer, the, as we mentioned before, the need of both parties should be satisfied. This is the only way that the relationship can thrive in the long term. However, many companies tend to focus only on the, as we saw, on the short term, they tend to get all the gains and they dismiss other needs, customer needs, community needs, employees needs. By doing so, the company not only they cannot nurture this relationship, they cannot uh, make this relationship prosper over time, but at the same time, the company is cutting off 
all potential support from these stakeholders. So the best way to driving business is to focus on others, uh, as, I, as you mentioned before, not focusing so much on ourselves. So what a, qu- a good question that the company can ask, a leader can ask, how can I serve this customer in a better way? Because many companies try to sell products to customer, but my approach is slightly different. It's not only about selling, but it's not bad, but a better approach will be, how can I serve this customer in a better way? How can I have an attitude of service? Service means, for example, discovering their needs, what this specific customer needs, what type of product is suitable for them, not for our company, for them. And also, in some cases, the company don't have a product that is suitable for this customer. And it's important for companies to let this customer go and choose other options if possible, not to, not to force customer to buy a specific product of this company if this is not suitable for them. But also to leaders, I will say, try to uh, under-promise and over-deliver. What does this mean? Many companies try to be boastful when, for example, offering products to the marketplace and they try to promise what they do not have. They try to lie or exaggerate this is not good. Why? Because you should be more humble. This means try to have a low profile as a company, but at the same time, try to over-deliver. This means you offer a product that is good quality, but you surprise customer in a positive way. You give more than expected. I call this exceeding customer expectation. I'll give you an example. For example, here in London, you have a different coffee shops. If you go to a coffee shop, some coffee shop will give you a cappuccino. But some uh, coffee shop, they will give you a cappuccino, in some cases delivered late, in some cases cold, in some cases with bad service, bad customer service. However, some coffee shop here in London, they give you a cappuccino and they accompany the cappuccino with a, with a tray with some biscuits. And these biscuits are a gift. This means that they are surprising customer with an additional product that is given free and it's nice to, to, to enjoy with this cappuccino. So keep more than expected. For example, if you're selling computer, try to see if you can offer a training course free for this customer to, to, to use his computer. If you're selling products online, try to see if you can add to this product delivery free. So, so that customer might feel much more enticed to your company. They don't be so cal- calculated. Try to create a positive imbalance. I mean, giving more than expected. And when you give more than expected as a company to customer, this customer feel indebted. Mean that they, they feel that they have been, uh, this expectation have been exceeded and they tend not only to come back, but they become silent ambassadors for this company. They tend to recommend this brand, this company to friends, relatives, colleagues, and this company can get new customers because of this, this positive way of approaching business. The opposite happens when the company is a, is a bit mean, is a bit calculating, and only try to give only the basic thing to this customer, and in some cases, not even satisfying their needs. In those cases, customer might feel like a bit negative, resentful, and might even switch from this company to competitors. So the best approach is to focus on others. Try to ask yourself, what does this employee need? What does this customer need? How can we contribute to the community? 
talk about employee when we talk about employees employees do not want only a good salary this is very important a good salary the company should pay a good salary to this employee but also companies should appreciate employees contribution this means that if the employee have been working for a long time and have been working hard well companies should recognize for example organizing an event to Uh, recognize this employee or writing a thank you note to this employee so that the employee can feel that their their, their contribution counted for this company. So always focus on others because when you focus on others, they will respond in a similar way. They will tend to focus on you. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense because I because in terms of employees to because I, I think people want to work for a company where they feel they are part of something where they feel they are valued and yes. people see their contribution in in, in that way I, I, I agree I, I agree it, I agree I agree completely there is a there is some research that observe that companies that have a meaningful purpose a meaningful mission tend to attract talented employees tend to attract skillful employees. But also, moreover, when employees feel that they, they, they are making a contribution to this company on a continuous basis, these employees tend to work harder. They tend to work over time with no problem. They tend to go the extra mile. Instead, when employees feel that they are carrying out projects that are meaningless, the projects that do not make any sense, or projects that they cannot show their skills or their capabilities, these employees feel demotivated. They feel not motivated. And so they tend in some cases to get bored or they tend to get uh, demotivated and look for other job opportunities, even when they are being paid a good salary. So I always tell my clients that a good salary is important for employees to have a, a good uh, state of well-being, but it's not enough. Employees have other needs. They need to have, for example, a good work-life balance Some employees are working many hours a day and they don't have time to see their family. Well, this is not good. They need to have time also to for leisure, for other activities, family activities. In some cases, employees, they have a very rigid schedule. They don't have any flexibility. For example, in these in this challenging times, if employees don't have any flexibility, they could be affected negatively. They could be too stressed. So very important to consider other needs be beyond the economic needs that are very important, other needs uh, so that the company can focus on the human being. Uh, employees are not uh, like an instrument to achieve goals. There are human needs that have different uh, needs, like uh, physical needs, emotional needs, mental needs, uh, spiritual needs, and companies tend to focus only on the material needs that are the salary or the work condition, and this is not enough. Recognition is a very important need that employees need to have this need satisfied. A company should be appreciative. This means thanking employees for their contribution. They're giving their time, their energy, they're using their skill to make this company thrive. Uh, so it's very important for companies to be generous and grateful with, with their approach. Yes, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and I, I think that's beautifully put. But you, you mentioned something earlier about, um, the, like the company's mission. Although where, one little confusion I had from the book though, because you were trying to distinct mission and purpose. 
And okay. I, I didn't really get that distinction. Can be used interchangeably. It's an author they okay. consider that purpose or mission is why is the company in the market? Why is the company? We have to differentiate mission and purpose that can be used interchangeably from vision. Vision is the future state that the company want to achieve, where they want to be in 10 years time or 20 years time. Regarding mission, we have to highlight or purpose, we have to highlight that companies that are uh, compassionate or consciously oriented tend to have a mission that take into account not only economic objectives, for example, like profitability, productivity, efficiency, or competitiveness, but they tend to also have other objectives, for example, having a positive impact on community, having a positive impact on the planet, uh, making a, a positive dent on the planet as a whole, leaving the planet better as before, as it was before. So, and in these cases, companies try to uh, mix some business objective with non-business ones. So they try to contribute not only from the economic perspective, from, but from the non-economic perspective. I, I always give the example of Starbucks. Starbucks is a coffee shop company that is obviously is a, develop a very important set of outlets uh, worldwide, different coffee shops worldwide. And this company is very successful economically speaking, but this company also has a foundation that is called Starbucks Foundation and it's part of their business model. Starbucks Foundation, what they do? They train youngsters uh, for them to be prepared for the work environment, to have much more job opportunities. They provide these youngsters with the skills so that then when they apply for a job, they are much more skillful, they have better qualification, they have much more capability and more possibility to, to, to land a good job. This is important because Starbucks do not have to get this foundation uh, at all. They don't have any legal obligation to have a foundation, but they want to do this because according to the founder, they want to, to give back. They want to give back to community because they got so much from the community, they got so many loyal customers, and they got so many resources from the community that they want to give back. So this is a good example of companies that are, have a mission that doesn't focus only on economic aspects, which are very important, but also on social aspects. Improving the community, training youngsters for them to be much more ready for the work environment. And this is a good example to emulate. Yeah, I think that, that that leads us to like the the um, CSR or the social responsibility for companies. Do you think? I I don't know. Do you think people who have who implement most of this social responsibility do more in in for for their society? Do you think? I don't okay. know if there's any data that correlates okay. whether they go yeah. so far or not. I can tell you. I can tell you. This is a good uh, point, too, that you made. Uh, so CSR or corporate social responsibility is important. But what I saw from my research that many companies use CSR as a, as a mask to what we call greenwashing. So they, they develop some business projects that are, they have a social impact only with the purpose of improving their image. They are not authentic. So this means that they try to uh, pretend 
the, the pretend that they are being socially oriented or human oriented or they pretend that they have a, a very positive uh, imp impact on the society but in practice most of their activities are not socially oriented my view on the book i i see that csr corporate social responsibility is correct it's a correct approach but it's very limited because many companies only tend to focus on the social aspect in a very limited way with few activities or one project. My view on business is much wider and implies that companies in every single activity that they perform should be socially oriented. It's not only a project, a separate project that the company uh, carry out to create positive impact on the community, but on the contrary, every single activity should be carry out, uh, perform in a way that bring about positive impact. For example, a good question that the leader should ask themselves is, is this business project affecting all stakeholders in a positive way? This is important. If one of the stakeholders, let's say community or suppliers or employees or customer, is not affecting in a positive way, this company is not acting in a conscious way. It's not acting in a in a responsible way. Why? Because it's not only being impactful with the community, it's not only for specific separate projects, but should be the overall view of the company. What I saw also that many companies, as I mentioned, pretend in some, comp some companies have organization, non-profit organization linked to the company, only, for example, to avoid taxes or only to uh, clean their image, in, 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 for example, in the public eye. In, in, the, in the media, but this is not authentic because sooner or later this is discovered. So, uh, and customers are very intelligent. Customers know when the company is real, uh, really uh, conscious, uh, human-oriented, or when the company use some strategy for other purposes. So we have to be aware that there are two categories of companies: companies that, that are really conscious, human-oriented. These are the ones that all activities take into account the interests of all important stakeholders. Not only customers, not only suppliers, not only employees, but also community members, business partners, and others. Instead, you have a second category of companies that are much more manipulative, and these companies tend to focus only on their own gains, and in, occasionally they develop some business projects that appear to be uh, consciously oriented or impactful from the social perspective, but what they do in, in practice is they do this as a, an excuse to, for other purposes, to avoid taxes or, for example, to clean their image in, in the public eye. So these are the two type of companies that I observe. The ones that thrive in the long term are the ones that are authentically oriented to the human being, caring for what we mentioned at the beginning, the triple bottom line, caring for profits, but caring for people, individual like customers, suppliers, employees, and also caring for the planet. Yes, that, 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 that's well put. But let's talk about um, customers now. Yes, okay. you, 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 you talked about customers a lot and you talked about a positive language and natural conversations with customers. Good. But Good. for people who have to deal with customers on a day-to-day -day basis and you know how it could get heated up in just through conversation, things could Good. get heated up and small. How do you how do you maintain those positive language and try to okay. do the kind of natural conversations that you talked about in the book? 
very important because you see, for example, when a company try to sell product to customer, in many cases, company use scripts. Script means, for example, you, for example, if you are called by a company, you see that the sellers are following a script. They say the same thing to every single customer. They say, you want to hear about this product and so on, and sounds a bit mechanical and natural. Why? Because this customer might obviously realize that the company is trying to force them into buying a product. Instead, the natural language implies that we want to know more about them. We want to learn about them. It's not only a customer in our database. It's a human being that has needs that has fears, that has hopes, that have expectation, and has unique interests, unique needs. This means that this customer is not similar to any other one. Because what many companies do is try to categorize customer. They put customer in a category and they will say, okay, well, this customer belongs to the category of teenagers, let's say 12 to 19, a female group, and so on. And they believe that all customers in that group, they behave in the same way. It's not true. Every human being is unique with unique needs that we need to discover. We cannot satisfy customer needs if we don't know their needs. So this means engaging in conversation is important and engaging in conversations with an attitude of curiosity. This means that we are focusing on them, not on us, because many sellers try to focus on them to get a higher commission, higher profit. By focusing on them, they cannot focus on the customer. That is the most important participant in this conversation. So asking question, what are your main needs? What are your values? What is the, the, the what, what you want this product for? Uh, what will be the most important quality regarding this product? Uh, do you want services connected to this product? Asking questions that are related to this unique customer. But also taking into account that customer Supposing that customer buy the product from this company, customer also need to feel appreciated. This means that when customer bought from this company, many companies do not contact the customer until they want to sell this customer a, a, a product again. And this is not good because customer they, they spend their time to look for this product. They, they got their energy to compare products. And so company should be appreciative, thankful. What is the best way to be thankful with customer? writing an email or a thank you note uh, and also appreciating customer uh, a process uh, of interacting with this company, also customer purchase, and also inviting customer to know more possible about the company products. But in some cases, customer also might be giving negative feedback to this uh, company, supposing that the product didn't satisfy their needs. Company should be also thankful with, to this customer for this feedback because this feedback will help the company improve the products, improve the services, and will help this company serve customers in a better way. I mentioned before uh, that many companies tend to focus on selling product to customers, and this is not the right approach. Customers need to be served. What does serving means? Adding value. Customers go to companies to have their problems solved. So companies should do their best to solve customer problems, to add value to them. This means that improve their lives and also try to uh, nurture a positive relationship with this customer, uh, build a long-term relationship with this customer. Uh, and also customers want to feel good when 
resorting to a company. I see many cases of companies treat customers in a negative way. For example, they leave customers hanging on on the phone without anyone talking to them, and they put some music, and they leave customers hanging on with, for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. This is disrespectful because customers need to be treated in a considerate way. This means they need to feel positive emotion before buying the product, during the buying process, and afterwards. So if customers feel negative about this company, they experience negative emotions such as anger or fear, well, this customer might not come back because the satisfaction of customer need has an emotional basis. This means that customer that is satisfied with the product and a company feel happy, feel pleased, feel at ease, they don't feel threatened. Instead, customers that are dissatisfied, they feel regretful, they feel fearful, and they are, when they feel negative emotion, this customer is unlikely to come back to this company. Moreover, they will look for other companies that will make them feel in a better way, that they will offer better product, that they will treat them in a much more considerate way. Natural conversation implies not considering others only as a figure in our database. Customers are not a figure only in our database to contribute to our company's profit. They are individuals, they are human beings whose needs need to be satisfied. They come to our company because they give us a, a, temporarily, a, a temporary trust to the, the, our company. They trust our company in a temporary way. This means we have to treat them in a considerate way. We have to support them. If we support them, customers are more prone to support us when we need them. Because when we support them, we satisfy their needs, we exceed their needs, we delight them, customers are more prone to recommend, to leave positive reviews online, to recommend our product to other customers, and so this will create a, a positive cycle. Yes, that, that's well put. And, and you mentioned something about feedback, because I am, I've always thought about having the right feedback loop because I, I believe in critique and uh, for improvement and feedback for improvement. So I, I like to, uh, because I've thought about creating feedback loops that are very efficient in a way where you have more feedback, more opinions about what you're doing or your business. How do you think is a right way I, I, I to agree. create I, those, those feedback loops in? Asking question, asking question to customer. For example, you see the hotel industry do this very frequently. When you stay at the hotel, you will see that the customers are asked, the guests are asked, for example, to fill a form at the end. When they check out, they will ask, how was your stay at the hotel? Is there anything that we can improve? So you don't have for customer to give you negative review or negative feedback. You have to request uh, uh, and you have to ask, what went wrong or how can we improve our uh, service or product? And in some cases, customer is very willing to give you con constructive feedback, meaning that they can tell you, okay, I like your product, but for example, I would improve this, 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 or I would like this to be delivered quicker, or I like this product to have a bigger size and so on. So customer is very willing to give feedback when you ask in a polite way. And also, companies should take this feedback on board. Why? Because this feedback on board uh, is like gold. It's a very precious 
piece of information. Company when receive feedback that is to improve their products or services, this is a very constructive feedback that can help company innovate. They can develop new products or they can improve the current uh, models or uh, develop new versions or models of this product. In the case of services, they can tweak some part of the services that are not aligned with the customer expectation. So feedback is free research. Feedback is free research. Information that comes from customer that is the user of this product and services that can help companies improve their future product, improve their future services, and add more positive value to this customer, solve their problems in the future in a better way. I like this positive cycle, positive loop of feedback because when companies are open to feedback from customers, not only from customers, but also from employees, this company is more prone to thrive. Why? Because they have a, what we call a growth mindset. Growth mindset implies that the company is willing to learn and improve over time. Instead, many companies are close-minded regarding feedback and they try not to get any negative feedback because they believe that could be negative criticism. This is the wrong approach. Why? Because companies do not take on board constructive feedback from customers are more prone to do things in the same way and in some cases, companies don't realize that they're doing things in the wrong way. They keep on doing things in the wrong way once and again, and they don't improve over time. In those cases, eh, these companies are less prone to thrive from the long-term perspective and obviously will be outpaced by companies that do take into account, they do take on board all this feedback. So my advice to any entrepreneur and also any CEO and leader, business leader, but also to employees, Always welcome feedback. This means that the feedback is a very important piece of information that will help you improve your future business activity. Even when the feedback is given in a negative way, and a bit, uh, obviously, some customer might be a bit angry when they give negative feedback, don't focus so much on the emotion uh, uh, that is experienced when this feedback is given, but focus on the message. What they are trying to say. Why are they complaining? I will ask myself this question. Why are they complaining? What we did wrong? How can we solve their problems? How can we add more value to them in the future? What, what is the clue that comes from this feedback that helps us improve our products and services in the future? This is very important. And it's free because the feedback comes free. Obviously, company would, some company won't like to have any feedback at all from customers because they they would like to believe that everything is okay, nothing to be improved. But business, it doesn't work this way. Business is a, a continuous process of improvement. This means that you're continually improving your products, your services, and also improving your um, approach to customer and employees. And you can always learn. So you can always do things better. So my advice is being open-minded to feedback, taking feedback on board, and break this down to see what is of value there, you, how you can improve products and services in the future. Uh, that was very interesting. I, I, I think I, I like the way you put it uh, and, and it's very succinct. But I, I wanted just to talk about um, communication because and um, again, in terms of, because now we are in COVID era and I, I wanted to talk about because most communications are now done non-fiscal, in a non-fiscal way and 
is could remove this human touch in conversation or communication. How do you think we could do better? You know, incorporate that human touch in our conversations because most of them are happening online now through technology. Very important. I read an article a long time ago that was called the, the Human Moment at Work. That this was published in Harvard Business Review. And this article, the author, we're talking about many, many years ago. And this author observed in the article that because of technology, employees in many companies cannot connect on a mental and emotional level, and they cannot develop trust and cooperation bonds. This author was talking about emails, voice emails, and so on, that were hindering the communication. In some cases, I like technology, and I'm not very techy, but I like technology, and I know that technology facilitates communication in many times. Shorten distances, help people to communicate when it's much more complex to communicate face-to-face, in some cases, create more efficiency and also bring about much more uh, um, efficaciousness. And, but in practice, we have to understand that communication doesn't replace the human interaction, uh, the, the, the technological communication. I'm talking about specifically, for example, emailing or uh, voice calls or, for example, Zoom. Well, these are important tools, but in practice, communication always have the human touch. For example, uh, some companies have only activities online and they have a website and they have an online platform and then everything is, any type of communication is done online. Customers do not have even a telephone number to call the company if they have a problem. This is not good. Why? Because customers need to have a little of a human interaction. You are not communicating with the machine. Uh, this is not right, and companies that only focus online without having, for example, a video chat or, a, for example, a, a helpline or a telephone line for customer to get in contact, they're dismissing this. But also in this COVID era, it's very challenging because many employees are working from home, and many employees in some cases are allowed to work from home without commuting. In this case, we have to understand that companies should be always getting in contact on a continuous basis to see the employees are, have been supported and have feel at ease if the use of technology is adequate for their work tasks. Also, if they, they need additional training, many employees have started suddenly to work from home with no training, without a, any knowledge about how to use this technology. In some cases, they feel a distance from the manager, for example, they, 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 they are not related so well or on a frequent basis. Employees, when working from home or they have some, obviously, flexibility to work in other places, should be continually supported. My, my suggestion for managers is that they should have at least once a week an online meeting, online meeting to see how things go. And this means not to talk about work only, but to see how they are, they feel about the, for example, the pandemic, how the things are going, how they, they feel, what are their fears, what are the challenges that they find with the use of technology at work, and also uh, what are the, the improvements that can be introduced uh, with the use of technology. And this could be a virtual conversation only to see that everything is going well and also that the employees feel well, not only at work, but also in, 
uh, as a whole, for example, that they have a good work-life balance, that they don't have any health problems, that they, they, they have all the resources that they need, that and so companies should be checking uh, on their employees, connecting to a manager, for example, with the subordinates, with the different employees, at least once a week. A big, big meeting, one-hour meeting, uh, to see that everything is going well and the employees are supported, that there is no inconveniences. Uh, and this is important because this adds to business the, the human touch, as you mentioned. We are not considering only employees as uh, instruments to achieve goals, as a means to an end, but we are considering employees as an end themselves. This means that they are valuable human beings, valuable resources that will help us to, to grow as a company. So this is my advice. And never try to replace the human contact with technology. Technology should be always accompanying the human interaction. For example, the company can use online activities, for example, website, emailing, but also alongside with this could have phone lines, telephone lines, for example, helpline we call, or for example, video conferences, so that the employees can, uh, can see customer and vice versa, they can see each other uh, and the human side doesn't be is not taken aside it's not left aside yeah that, that's that's really interesting I, I think there's um something a lot of people could do it at this particular time a lot of businesses could incorporate in their own workflow i i, I wanted to ask again what this question like because you mentioned it in the book too for prosperity mindset though i i think i have some initial thought of what you mean but but, but okay. maybe you should just Talk about it a little. Yes, prosperity mindset is focusing on expansion. We have two types of mindset. One is prosperity mindset and the other one is scarcity mindset. Prosperity mindset implies uh, an expansive mindset, a mindset that is willing to learn more. But it's also a mindset that is not focusing on threats. So because uh, many business leaders and many business people tend to focus only what is threatening. For example, the economic uh, environment might be threatening for some companies and so they focus only on potential threats, negative factors, or they focus too much on competitors. will say, oh, this company is doing this way and this company is launching a new product, will be threatened, will be outpaced by this company. They're continually in a state of fear. And, uh, and they cannot grow, they cannot use their skills or capabilities. Prosperity mindset implies, first of framing things in a positive way. Supposing now, obviously, the pandemic, many will say, is a negative factor. Obviously, from the health perspective, it's a negative factor. We, call, we can all agree. But from the business perspective, is there any opportunity that we can develop to help people to feel better to help to improve their lives, to serve them better, to provide them with useful products and services. So the prosperity mindset will, will always ask questions such as, where is the opportunity hidden in this situation? So they try to frame things in a positive way. Instead of framing things as a threat, uh, they frame this as an opportunity. But also the, the prosperity mindset try to uh, think uh, about the business environment, other companies in a positive way. Uh, 
the, the, the opposite that is scarcity mindset will try to think about in a negative way. An example of prosperity mindset will be, I see this company that is developing similar products to our company. Prosperity mindset, uh, people will say, can I get any partnership with this company? Can I develop any partnership or alliance with this company? Can we work together? Instead of considering them as competitors, the, the prosperity mindset people will try to consider other companies as, as potential partners. And also, this cannot be done at least as models to emulate. Examples, if the companies, are, companies around us are doing things correctly, well, we can take them as an example to emulate, to, to replicate some of the things that are doing well and improve them over time. But also, prosperity the mindset tend to be grateful. This means that they are very appreciative with different people collaborating with the company. For example, employees, for example, customers, and community, and so on. A prosperity mindset also try to focus much more on the internal aspect, much more than on the external aspect. For example, prosperity mindset implies that we can focus on our skills, capabilities, our company have human resources, all companies have human resources that have skill capabilities that are unique. Well, the prosperity mindset will ask this question. How can we harness these skills and capabilities in a way that we can develop better products, better services, uh, we can approach customers and solve their problems in a much more efficient way? So it's much more focused on ourselves. Uh, we focus on our uh, internal part, instead of focusing so much on what uh, is going on in the external environment. I don't say that what is going on externally is not important, but many companies are exclusively focused on the external aspect without focusing on themselves. They are continually comparing themselves with other companies instead of harnessing their unique skills and capabilities. And this is not right. And also, prosperity mindset also has a win-win mentality. It's connected to win-win mentality. Uh, this means that people with prosperity mindset uh, strongly believe that in business, everyone should win. This means that we should not take advantage of anyone to win. All agreements should be win-win-win-win. This means that when we sell products, customers should win, our company should win, employees should win, community members should win, the government should win, uh, and so everyone involved should be benefiting from this transaction. Instead of scarcity mindset, is a zero-sum game. This implies that we can only win at the expense of others. We win as a company, we get the profit, but we, we have to deceive customers to get this profit, not good. Or we, have, or we can get the profit as a company, good profit, but we have to exploit employees, not good or we have to get this profit as a company, but we have to pollute the environment. This is not good. So scarcity mindset is very limited. They believe in the scarcity of resources. Now, we see many companies that uh, obviously challenge this view because uh, many companies will say, no, but the resources are scarce. Resources, we don't, we don't have so much money. We don't have so much funds. We don't have technology. Well, this is a limited view of business because you can always create new resources. And I always give the example of two companies that are very famous worldwide. Uber, Uber, the transport network, and mm -hmm. the other one is Airbnb. 
the accommodation companies. This company developed a business model that is focused on prosperity mindset. Why? Because none of these companies, in the case of Uber, they do not own cars. They are connected to a network of relationships with different car owners. And this is one of the biggest transport companies in the world without owning any vehicle, without owning any car. And in the case of Airbnb, Airbnb doesn't own any property at all. They don't own any hotel, they don't own any flats or houses, but they develop a network of relationships, win-win relationships with different uh, property owners. So, and they are one of the most important accommodation companies in the sector. So, there you have two main examples of prosperity mindset. Company that develop win-win agreement that they thought not about scarcity, but about abundance of resources. And obviously, without owning any assets, relevant assets, they develop a business model that is very successful worldwide. Mm, that, that's, that, that's good. But for because what I thought about was, you know, some scenarios where we plan to win from for all stakeholders, but you know, life happens and things could just go south. Things could just go north and you know, just due to the nature of randomness in life. But you know, we are getting in um we are getting towards the end of this conversation now. But I, I want you to because I always ask these questions to the people I interview and I want to get their perspective yeah. on, because you talked a lot about life, love and business. What, what do you think is the meaning of life? The meaning of life? Well, the meaning of life is serving others. Serving others. So when you serve others, you find meaning to your life. Obviously, the, the meaning of life is also the meaning of business because business is part of life. Serving others is fundamental. When you serve others, you can ex express your skills in a meaningful way. You can use your capabilities in a meaningful way. You're contributing to live a better planet. You Im are improving people's lives and also you, you, you are very rewarded by doing so because obviously when people have passion or, or they, they have a very strong focus on a, a mission, or objective, very important objective in life, they, and they have a social impact on others, direct or indirect, they tend to feel what uh, many psychologists observe, uh, they tend to experience a state, a state of self-actualization, of self-realization, that means that they're fulfilling their purpose. So the, the, the most important way to approach business and life is asking yourself, how can I help others? How can I use my skills and capability to improve other life? How can I uh, bring about a positive impact on people's life? Focusing less on yourself, but focusing more on others. But by focusing more on others, you are more prone to utilize, to harness your skills and to apply your skills in a meaningful way. And this creates a positive cycle because when you help others, you are more prone to be held by others and supported by others. There is a very interesting law that is called the law of reciprocity that states, social psychologists observe um, that this law of reciprocity always apply. When you treat others in a positive way, you are more prone to receive positive treatment from them. Instead, when you treat others in a negative way, they tend to treat you in the same way. So this applies in both ways treating po either positively or negatively. When you serve others, 
on a continuous basis, you are more prone to be supported, assisted by others when you need. So this is very important, not only to create a very strong network of relationship where people can help one another and support one another, but also to express our need, our um, capabilities and skills to satisfy people's needs, to solve their problems, to support them when, when possible. This applies to business and to life. The very important question that I want to leave the listener for, for, for them to ask themselves is, how can I serve others? How can I express my skills and capabilities in a meaningful way? That, 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 that's great. That's, that's a very nice way to put it. But right now, I want to put you on the spot and, you know, just give you time to talk about anything you want to talk about that you want the listeners and the audience to know. Okay, right okay. Well, well, if they want to know more about me, uh, well, they can find the book, The Art of Compassionate Business. They can find anywhere online, offline, any bookshop, Amazon. And also they can contact me on LinkedIn or uh, they can check my website, humanorientedenterprise.com, humanorientedenterprise.com or brunosignaco.com. And I really appreciate your invite. Thank you very much. Yeah. I would li- I would add links to the description for anybody that wants to contact you also and Thank for you. links to your books. Yes. Thank you. So I, I think we are done now. Thank you for your time and your it's you a wisdom much. today. Thank you very much. Very kind. I felt very comfortable. Thank you for listening to the end. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, please contact me on Instagram or Twitter at Hinted Neuron. That's it for me this week. And until then, stay curious.